I'm glad I felt his touch. Something you'll never forget. All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Joel. Joel, that's the Hebrew way you pronounce it. It's Joel in Arkansas, but it's Joel over there. Old, brother. Old. Like me, old. Children's Chapel. Okay, Brother David, Sister Nadia, and everybody. Children's Chapel, you're dismissed. Go with Brother David. There you go, Jackson. Lovey dovey, there you go. Y'all stand when you get there, chapter two. Chapter 2, Joel chapter 2. Beginning with verse 12, the word of God declares, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me, and with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments, And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, and a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, And call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. And those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber. And the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. And give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done Great things. Fear not, last verse, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in your sanctuary, your people, Lord, and we come before you, Lord, 
asking you to bless this service, asking you, Lord, to bless the message, deal with hearts this morning as we prepare the upcoming revival. Lord, speak to us and, and share what it is you would want us to receive this morning through your word. Give me the words to say. Lay on my heart those things I studied. May I preach with boldness and authority those truths. And again, may your Holy Spirit have freedom to speak and tug on hearts this morning. And when the invitation is given, those that need to come, may they be drawn to the altar before you, before it's too late. Bless, Lord, those prayer requests that have been written down and spoken. Those unspoken on our hearts, you know each need. We pray that your blessed will be done with them. And we lift Brother Fry up, Father. I lift him before you, you being the great physician. I pray, Lord, you'll have your mighty hand upon his body and you'll remove that infection, that sepsis, and you'll remove that COVID. And Lord, may it be a testimony to who you are and your love for your servant. We love you and we praise you and ask again everything we do this morning may you be given honor and glory. Forgive me where I failed you for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, be seated. <clears throat> if the Lord wills beginning a week from today we will have revival. How many of you believe we need revival? Uh, I would say America needs revival, the church needs revival, our homes need revival, we as individuals, we need revival, and Joel, see I'm talking Arkansas again, Joel, uh, there's not a whole lot known about him, he was a prophet of God, his name means Jehovah is God, and let me just say, exactly, God is Jehovah. But there's not a whole lot of background. Chapter 1 will tell you who his dad was. But there's not a lot of background. I don't know when he received the call to proclaim the gospel. But understand, when he went before the nation of Israel, they were in a backslidden condition. You see, God was trying to get their attention. Now, the main theme in the book of Joel, and we're looking at three little chapters, that's all, not a large book, but the main theme of it is the day of the Lord. Now, that's twofold concerning Israel and us. Twofold is God sent Joel to prepare the people that judgment was going to fall upon them if they didn't get right with God. And prophetically, listen, one day the Lord is going to return and he is going to judge this world for sin. That's going to be the day of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, rapture is going to take place. Tribulation is going to begin and end in seven years. And then he's coming back. That's his second coming. He's coming back. And then the millennial reign will be ushered. Surely, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, if you read chapter 1, God is already dealing with the nation of Israel. You say, Brother John, what do you think their sin was? 
same sin that we commit as Americans and as Christians today. We leave God out of the equation. We worship things instead of God. We sin every day. And yes, we are going to sin. But we don't have any conviction over our sins. In fact, we sin. Oh, no big deal. I'm covered by the blood. Can I tell you? Yes. If you're covered by the blood, you're never going to lose your salvation. Impossible. But understand, you're still accountable for your sin. And God will do what is necessary to get you to get right with him. Now, God sent a plague of locusts. You ever done that before? You see, locusts always represent judgment in God's plan. If you'll read about Israelis in Egypt, God sent a plague of locusts. Well, he sent another plague. It pictures judgment. And literally, the land had a famine. No rain. No food. And, and by the way, that plague of locusts also pictured that God, if they didn't repent... God was going to send an invasion of the Assyrians to Israel. He always does what he has to do to get us right. God don't leave us on our own to tend to ourselves because we're not capable of tending to ourselves. We always get sidetracked. We always get off on the side of the road when if we would just stay straight, we'd have his blessing. Now, that brings us to chapter 2. And I want you to notice, therefore, verse 12, therefore also now, not tomorrow, not later, right now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me. Who do we turn to? To God. Even, look at that, even to me with all your heart. Did he say half of your heart? A little bit of your heart? No, he says, I want all your heart. And as was said in the devotion this morning, it's correct. Revival is about getting one's heart right with God. We must, in order to have revival, have our hearts right with God. The psalmist said this. He said, Search me, O God, and try my heart. And he says, and know my heart and try me and understand my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me the way everlasting. So the psalmist even knew that the heart must be right with God in order to have a walk with the Lord. Now you say, preacher, what is the heart? Well, it's that thing that beats. Uh, you're only here and I'm only here because it's still beating. But the heart pictures the inner will of man. And remember what 
the prophet said? It's desperately wicked. And who can know it? God. But notice what the psalmist said, search me. So all of us need to be searched. And it's not because we have to tell God to search us. He already knows where we are, where our heart is. But search our hearts. Here's the one that gets us. And know these old thoughts. What are y'all thinking? I hope it's right thoughts. I hope it's thoughts on the Lord and our walk with him. I hope it's thoughts about heaven. I think about heaven every day. Do y'all? But then he says, try me. Try me. And believe me, what the psalmist is saying, here I am, Lord. Just search me. Know my heart. Know my thoughts. And Lord, if there's any wicked thing in me, let me know. Why? Because the psalmist wanted to be right with God. Now, he says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. You see, supplication must be made. If you and I are going to have revival, our hearts must be right, and we must come to God sorrowful for our lack of serving Him and worshiping Him and glorifying Him. If you want revival, your heart's got to be right. And you need to weep over your sin. It was brought forth this morning about, in the devotional, about mourning over sin. Yes. Listen, I can only answer for me, but I know that the Holy Spirit resides in me. And when I go against and sin against the Lord, and you say, you're a preacher, you can't sin. <laughs> Any preacher tells you they don't sin, run. Because they're lying to you. We are all sinners. I am a saved sinner, but I'm a sinner. But when I mess up, if I think a wrong thought, or I get angry with somebody passing me by and giving me the hello sign, I get angry. Listen to me. When I do that and I act in the flesh, you idiot! The Holy Spirit convicts me right then. I'm miserable until I ask the Lord, Lord, I messed up. I'm your most sinful child, Lord. Forgive me. It's me again. But you know what I love about the Lord? He's so gracious. He's so merciful. He's so kind. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice, we're to mourn about our sin. It's amazing today. Lots of folks can go out there and do all kinds of of evil and wickedness and say, oh, I'm a Christian. And it never phases them. They just continue to do it over and over and over again. 
please check yourself. Prove yourself whether you be in the faith. Examine yourself. Because if you're truly a child of God, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you. If it doesn't, you're not right with the Lord. Something's wrong. Now notice, we're to mourn over our sin. And he says, rend your heart and not your garments. You see, back then, as a show that you're sorrowful for your sin, you would rend your garments. It was an outward thing. Sad to say that was all it was, was an outward thing. The Lord says, no, 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 don't go through that ritual. Don't go through that rending and saying, okay, you see, Lord, I'm sorrowful. No. He says, give me your heart. I don't want you to rend your garments. It's an outward show. You're sorrowful. Show me. Prove it. Give me all your heart. You see, I think sometimes we as Christians, like to go through the ritual. Oh, I messed up. Forgive me, Lord. Brother Roger, I'm glad you got to see me. I repented. Did you see that? No. Listen, when I mess up, I want to be alone with God. I don't need y'all to watch me. I don't need to watch you. I just need to be alone with God. Because when I sinned, I didn't sin against you. I sinned against God. So therefore, I only have to answer to him. Sometimes we forget that. We go through the rituals. Please. God's telling the children of Israel, no more rituals. Mean it. If you want revival, then you've got to get the heart fixed. Listen, our country is just like the nation of Israel back then. You see, I believe God has been judging us. But he ain't quite really given us the judgment that we're due and that it's coming. Understand, our country, we walk all over the word of God. We are immoral. I've never seen things like going on today. Even as a lost sinner at one time out in the world, I've seen things that <laughs> make me blush today. I just, oh. And then, that's just America. What about our churches? You see, our churches are dormant. Our churches, the pews are empty. We have little social clubs and not church for the body of Christ. A lot of folks just come to be seen. They don't want preaching. You want to offend somebody? Tell them the truth. Share the word of God with them and say, you're a sinner. And if you don't repent, you're going to burn. Oh, they don't want to hear that. No, I'm not a sinner. I'm good. I'm moral. I don't beat my wife. I pay my taxes. 
I'm not running around. I'm a good person. Surely God's going to give me a pass. Boy, are you in for a rude awakening. You don't get a pass until you are washed in the blood. And then that pass, better word, that pardon is because nothing you did but everything that Jesus did on the cross. Amen? Now, notice, he says, And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Listen. We rend our hearts. We mourn over our sin. We give our hearts to the Lord. We make our hearts right before God. We turn to Him because that's who we have to turn to. And then we glorify Him. We worship Him. You say, well, I don't have nothing to worship Him for. What? Are you kidding me? Look at what Joel said. He said he's gracious. Uh, I should worship him because he is gracious. Listen, he could have left me to hell. He could have left you to hell. But no, because of his grace in eternity past, he sent his very own son into the world to die and pay the debt you and I owed. So yes, I should glorify him because of his graciousness. And then notice what else he says. Merciful, oh, how many of you are glad you, that God is a God of mercy? Whew. I'm so thankful he's merciful. I'm so thankful because if he wasn't and I had to pay for my sins, uh, wouldn't be good. Amen? So we should glorify him for his graciousness and his mercy Slow to anger. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering? Took him 26 years to finally say, that's enough. Yes, sir. He had to put me on my back. But I'm glad he did because it forced me to look up to him. I'm so thankful. How about you? For his grace, his mercy, and his patience. And then... Great kindness. I bet we can all glorify him because of his great kindness to us all. You know what all he's done in our lives since we've been his children? He's literally taking care of us. He's met every need we have. And he's just been kind. So he's telling the people, children of Israel, Joel, hey, get your heart right. Get to the Lord and then glorify the Lord. If ever was a time for the church to glorify him, it's now. And now I'm going to get in trouble. You know why the world is in the shape she's in? Do you know who's to blame? Oh, the devil. No, the church. We have lost sight on standing up for God, we have lost sight in serving God. You see, we have the world, and the world takes our minds off of the most important thing in living 
and serving God, and we live unto ourselves, and we serve the things of the world. And then we wonder why America is where she's at. Uh, the world is where she's at, because we are supposed to be representatives of God. That's where Israel got in trouble. They were the chosen representatives of God, and guess what they did? They didn't represent God. And because of it, the heathens, the pagans, the Gentiles that didn't know Christ, guess what? They just continued in their false worship and their false beliefs about God. And that's where we're at today. You wonder why nobody wants to come to church. Nobody wants to serve the Lord. Because we have gotten content, and that's what happened to Israel. And the Lord had to judge them. But he promised revival if they'll return. Notice. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and have a blessing behind him? Even, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord. And notice what it says in 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and call a solemn assembly. Now, Joel instructed the nation of Israel, Judah, the southern tribe, he instructed them to blow the trumpet. Now, any time the trumpet was blown in the Old Testament, there were specific reasons for it. One was right, time to gather up camp and get on down the road, or time to stop. This is where we're going to have camp. It was blown to protect the children of Israel from the enemy, enemy approaching, but it was also blown to call the entire nation of Judah to assemble. That's how important revival is, church. And we need to blow the trumpet. And let me just say something about blowing the trumpet. We need preachers today that will blow the trumpet and sound the alarm that Jesus is coming back and that judgment is going to fall on everyone that doesn't know him. we got to blow the trumpet. Now, I tell you what. I couldn't play a musical instrument. I don't care. God just didn't give me that gift. I wouldn't know which end of the trumpet to blow, to be honest. But listen to me. Here is my trumpet. I blow this trumpet every time I have the opportunity. This is... To be blown to assemble the people. And he's telling them to fast. And by the way, fasting is biblical. I know the charismatics have made it into more than what it's supposed to. But all you're doing when you fast is showing the Lord you're serious about a matter of prayer. He's telling them, assemble fast, and then look at who he says, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. You see, gather them, 
sanctify them, set them apart. And then notice the people that were called to assemble. He says, assemble the elders. You say, well, that's old fogies. (laughs) Nope. That's those that have been in service to God for a long time. That's those that have served God faithfully, but over the process of time, they've grown weary. Maybe we have some here that's grown weary. I'm here to tell you, if you will make your heart right and allow God to give you revival, He will strengthen you and He'll give you everything you need to keep carrying on. So they were to gather the elders. And then they were to gather the children. Notice what it says. Symbol, the elders gather the children. And when I think of that group coming in that assembly, speaking of revival today, when I think of the children, I think about those that have started off on the right foot, they've given their hearts to the Lord, but then they've kind of went the way of the world. The things of God don't quite mean what they once did. We got anybody like that here at Lone Mountain? No, don't raise your hand. You'll embarrass me. Understand, you're rebellious to God. If you've been saved, he expects you to be in the assembly. And there are certain priorities. And the number one priority should always be God. Serve God. Don't give in to the wiles of Satan and the world. Don't do it. And then here's another group that could use revival. Notice he says, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breath. How many babies we got in here? What I mean by that is You're just sucking on a bottle. You're just getting a little milk. Been saved for a long time, but you ain't grown one bit. I assure you, you need revival. You see, God wants you to eat a little steak. He wants you to mature, and he wants you to understand what his word says. And we are to grow. If you haven't grown since you've been saved... Don't blame the Lord. There's only one person you can blame. Point that finger at yourself. Because you haven't been willing to get along with God. You haven't been willing to open God's word. You ain't been willing to listen to the preacher. You've been showing up. But you ain't growing because you're not listening. How many of you believe you've got to put effort in anything? Effort. There's got to be effort. You can show up, do anything. But if you don't put any effort in it, you're never going to grow. You're never going to amount to anything. And really, you're just spinning your wheels. Them babies. And he said, oh, also, 
Go forth of his chamber and bring the bride, uh, excuse me, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and let the bride out of her closet. You say, well, who are they in the church? Yes, we are the bride, God's children. But he's talking about those. You ever met folks in the Lord's house that says, well, I want to serve the Lord one of these days. But right now, I'm young. I still got some living to do. I don't want to make any commitments. I don't need to do that and not be able to keep them, so I just won't make them. And God will just say, that's okay, pat me on the head. No. You see, here's the thing about putting, serving the Lord off. It's going to one day be too late to serve him. And two, the most important thing you and I can do is serve the Lord. What life is all about. After we are saved, living for God. So he says, call that assembly. And then notice what he says. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage or reproach. You see, Israel, Judah, was in such bad shape priests wouldn't even praying for them or trying to warn them. They were just going with the flow. There are pastors and preachers out there today that are going with the flow. You see, if I make you feel good about yourself, I might get a raise out of the deal. If I make you feel good about yourself and and not put a lot of pressure on you. Not tell you that, you know what? You're not living right. Thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible says. Why aren't you doing it? If I don't warn you that God is going to have to chastise you, then what good am I? See, I am an overseer of the people of God. Now, Christ is the shepherd. I'm not Jesus, and I'm not the shepherd. Under shepherd. An overseer, but I'm not the shepherd. But what was happening to Judah was the priests weren't doing their duty. They weren't doing their job. They weren't even praying for the people. There's a lot of folks out there, say they're in ministry, that aren't doing anything for the people. They're not praying. They're not leading them. They're not teaching. God help us. been spitting and hollering going on 38 years there's been times I've gotten discouraged there's been times I thought Lord what's the use why don't you let me just sit in a pew let me sit but of course he ain't gonna let me do that you know why I know because the most miserable Christian in the church is an old backslid pastor that doesn't want 
to fulfill his ministry. And I've seen that. I know preachers that at one time blowing and going and now turned in their credentials. Nah, I just got tired of it. Couldn't handle it. Had a good friend. Grew up in the same church I grew up. Lord saved him, called him into the ministry, gave him a church, got angry with the church, and he says, this ain't for me. Turned in his credentials. Ain't preached a lick, and I'm telling you, I feel with all my heart he was God called. That's not priests in Judah at that time weren't doing what God called them to do to minister to the people. I'm going to tell you, that's a bad way to be. Let the priest minister of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. See, they weren't interceding for the people. And give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? You see, Joel was concerned about the people. And he was concerned about how the heathen thought concerning the people of God and their God. He was afraid that they were going to be a reproach and a hindrance to the heathen recognizing that God is powerful and he is God. And that's what he was afraid of. When are we going to realize people watch us? When are we going to realize that we need God in our midst? I want God in our midst in this church. I want people when they come to say, you know what? I can feel the presence of the Lord. Those people love the Lord. I want him in the midst. Some churches don't want him. In the midst. Notice what it says. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. When will he be jealous and pity his people? When we get right with him. When we give him all of our hearts. If you're going to have revival this week again, Brother Randy can't bring it. Only God can send revival. And he won't send revival if our hearts aren't right with God. You're just spinning your wheels. Our hearts have to be right. And then, yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn, wine, and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. So, if they got right, God promised to bless and restore. If you and I want the blessings of God during this coming week of revival, then we must be right with God. You see, revival depends upon our hearts. So where's your heart this morning? And finally, 
Yea, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'll send you corn, wine, and oil, and you'll be satisfied therewith, and I'll make you no more. I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen, but I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea, and his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. Verse 21, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Notice stipulation. Get right. Get right with God. And then he will do great things. How many of you believe God can bless our revival efforts next week? With souls. With people getting right. It all comes back to it starts with each of us. And we all must be willing to repent. Turn from our sin. Confess it before him and turn from it. And when we get right, listen to me, we'll have revival because he promised he would do it. How many of you believe he can? How many of you believe he will? But it's up to you and me. Up to you and me. So, as I get ready to close, I'm just going to say this. Do you desire revival? I do. I need it. You see, <laughs> revival is for the church to deal with God and Him to deal with us. It's time. I believe He's coming. Do y'all believe that? Yes. I believe it's a lot sooner than people think. No, I will not give you a, a date or a time, but I do know <laughs> He's coming. Yet in a little while, he that cometh will come and will not delay his coming. Yet a little while. Well, now a little while to me is, to the Lord, a little while is 2,000 years. But I'll tell you, we're that much closer. Every day, every moment makes it us that much closer. So if he comes back, where is he going to find your heart? And again, Israel. He said these things were written for our example. See, Israel, just study Israel. And when you study them, you'll see a picture of you and me. We're just like them. But here's the thing. God has never given up on Israel. And he's not going to give up on us. 
He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. Let's praise him. Amen. If you desire revival and God has spoken to your heart, altars open. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you haven't trusted Christ as your personal Savior, listen, the Word of God declares, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you so much, He sent His Son to pay the debt you owed of sin so that you might be reconciled to the Father. And if you trust Him, receive Him by faith as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. And guess what? You've been given the greatest thing you could ever possess, eternal life.